Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. Well, here we are at the, the last session. And uh, so as we look back over our series together, uh, I trust that uh, the lessons that I've learned on the, on the journey of my life have been of help to us all. Everybody can say Amen. So by God's grace, uh, we can all begin a new generation. You can say amen on each of these, uh, just reviewing. Uh, yeah, we can become better and not bitter. Uh, we can develop a Joseph attitude and build character to handle charisma and uh, look after the hidden roots of character and uh, know the distinction between biblical faith or presumption and uh, have a good motivation, proper motivation for time and eternity and tonight, in a moment, we're going to be looking at the uh, final lesson that I've got here on our series, is God working both ends. Now, last week, I asked you to do a little assignment through the week. How many did their assignment through the week? <clears throat> All right, so I'm going to have about, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, the assignment together was uh, just list six things, and maybe we'll just have uh, different ones, just one thing that's uh, motivated you or really motivates you, that really drives you. So why don't we have... As many people as possible, say about uh, five or six or seven, just stand up quickly and just say, this is something, and name what it is that's motivated me or does motivate me. So I saw one hand there to start the ball rolling. Thanks, Pablo. Yes. Good. Run the whole race. Wonderful. Somebody else? Yes, uh, Shirley? Good. Prayer, wonderful. Thank you. Good, Shirley. Somebody else, real quick? Yes, over here to my left. Carolyn? The power of vision. If you have vision, that's the thing that motivates me. Good, very good. Power of vision. Wonderful. Somebody else? Three more people, real quickly. Uh, yes, thank you. Desire to bear fruit for eternity. Desire to bear fruit for eternity. Great. Wonderful. Somebody from over this side too? Make a difference in someone else's life. Wonderful. Good. And one one more person. Thank you. Yeah, it's way at the back. We'll make it two because there's one down here, one at the back. Thank you. Learn how to love. Learn how to love. Very good. Very good. And finally. Jesus, yes, he should be the motivation for us all, shouldn't he? All right, so what we want to look at on our, our, our final lesson that I'm sharing with you tonight is God working both ends. And uh, so I've got a proposition here, and this is what we're going to wrap our remarks around. Uh, the scriptures show that when God is in a thing, he always works both ends, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he brings both ends together for his praise and glory. Uh, why don't we all re- re- read that proposition together? So all together, the scriptures show that when God is in a thing, he always works both ends, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he brings both ends together for his praise and glory. 
Now, I put a number of scriptures there just by way of introduction on this here. And uh, in the Old Old Testament and the New Testament, we find this expression, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, or the first and the last, or variations of it, is actually used nine times. And uh, you see from the Old Testament ones that we won't have time to turn to, but uh, in the Old Testament ones, Isaiah 41, 4, 44, 6, 48, 12, uh, the, the main one there is, uh, he says, I am the Lord, the first and the last. So I'm talking about God working both ends. I'm the, I'm the first and I am the last. Uh, three times in the Old Testament. Then when you come to the New Testament, uh, it says that uh, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. And then uh, later on in uh, throughout Revelation, which are the main references, five here, uh, he says, I am uh, on the last reference, he brings them all together. He says, I'm Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and the beginning and the ending. And so I believe what those scriptures, at least one of the things it's teaching us, if, if God is the first, he's also to be the last. Uh, if he's the Alpha, he wants to be the Omega. Can you say amen? And if he's the beginning... Uh, he's also the ending. Now, you'll notice there I've just put uh, the word alpha, which we all pretty well know. is the first letter of the Greek alphabet, and it's used to denote the first or the chief. And so we think of the alphabet. Okay, then omega, the last letter of the Greek alphabet, or the finality. And when it comes to the Lord Jesus being the first and last, he is the alpha and the omega. He's actually the word. And the very thought and the mind of God the Father communicated to us in bodily form. And some excellent scriptures there from uh, Colossians 1 verse 19, that should be, and 2, 9, and then John 1. The Word was made flesh and tabernacled among us. So Jesus is the Word of God. He's the Father's mind. He's the Father's thought. He's the Father's language to us. He is the Logos. And uh, as we've just read, the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and the beginning and the ending. He's God's alphabet. Uh, in other words, he is everything in between. He is the Word made flesh. Now, in the uh, uh, Old Testament and the New Testament, as we're going to see tonight in our session, we find that, as I said in the proposition, that when God is really in a thing, uh, God works both ends and he brings those ends together. And I've just put a couple of examples from the Old Testament, and I think uh, two of them are just, especially the first one is the, the most classic one. And in Genesis chapter 24, maybe you'd like to turn over to that just for a couple of references here. We won't have time to develop it too much. But just an illustration that when God is in the thing, he works both ends. We don't have to pull strings, we don't have to manipulate We depend upon him who works both ends. All right, now in this uh, tremendous chapter, what we find in, in, uh, in fact, in the several chapters here, uh, are just an amazing prophetic picture and a typical thing concerning Abraham and Isaac and his servant. And uh, for those who, if you've taken down a little extra note, just the order of these several chapters, this is what we have. In Genesis chapter 21, we have the miraculous birth of Isaac, the only begotten son. So Genesis 21, the miraculous birth of Isaac, the only begotten son of Isaac, the, uh, of Abraham the father. Then in Genesis chapter 22, we have the uh, uh, sacrifice, typically, of Isaac, the only begotten son. His typical uh, uh, death and resurrection as, uh, as uh, Abraham goes up Mount Moriah after three days' journey and offers his son. Then in Genesis chapter 23, uh, we have the death of Sarah, representing the nation of Israel after the birth 
of Christ and after his miraculous death and resurrection. Then when we come to this uh, tremendous chapter, Genesis chapter 24, we have uh, Abraham calling for his servant, uh, Eliezer, or unnamed in this chapter, to go and seek a bride for his only begotten son. So in the, in the typical picture we have Abraham, a type of God the Father, Isaac, a, to- a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. And then we have the unnamed servant in chapter 24, a picture of the Holy Spirit and being going into a far country to seek a bride uh, for, the, uh, for the only begotten Son. So picture the Holy Spirit being sent into this world to seek a bride uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the New Testament only begotten Son. So just a tremendous picture now. Just an illustration of God working both ends here. We find that uh, uh, Abraham asks his servant to go into the land of his uh, uh, relatives and uh, get a wife for his uh, only begotten son Isaac. And so uh, the whole key was the servant said, well, say if the woman's not willing to follow me. He said, well, if not, if she's not willing, uh, then you're free from your oath here. So as he goes into the far country, he prays, and you'll pick this up in verse uh, uh, 12. And he said, oh, Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink, and she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac, and by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And as you go on down the rest of the verses there, you find that different ladies were coming to the well to draw water, and amongst them there was uh, Rebecca. And uh, as Rebecca approaches to the well, then the servant goes up to her and says, look, could you give me a drink, please? And she says, yes, drink, my Lord, and gave him a drink. And then she said, the very words that he had been praying in his heart before God, he said, she said, I'll also give you camels to drink. And he just stood by wondering, it says in verse 21. And the man wondering at her remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. So how many think that's a wonderful picture of God working both ends, worked on the servant's heart, he worked on Rebecca's heart, and she says the very words that he'd been praying in his heart. And uh, out of that, uh, the servant was able to take uh, uh, Rebecca back to Isaac and uh, uh, they, they, they were joined in uh, matrimony there. So just an amazing picture of God working uh, both ends. And number two here, First Samuel chapter 9 and 10, that should be not 9 and 100, chapters 9 and 10. We have another picture, and there's many pictures through the Bible. I just want to look at a couple in the Old Testament. Uh, we find that Saul has lost his donkeys. And uh, so he's been sent to search them by his father. And uh, finally, he can't find them. And uh, so uh, he comes to a city and he said, is the man of God around? So the man of God at that time was uh, Samuel the prophet. And so uh, uh, they, they introduced and said, here he comes now. And so he went to meet her and God had already spoken to Samuel and said, tomorrow about this time, there's going to come a man and uh, he's the one I want you to anoint to be king. And he's lost his donkeys and you'll tell him where they are. So here God is working both ends. So Saul uh, came before Samuel. They had a feast there, sacrifice. And then uh, he said to him, don't worry about the donkeys. Uh, they've already been found. I want you to be, uh, have a sacrifice and a feast with me. And then as he's going on the way home, he told him where everything was and uh, by a, uh, a word of knowledge and anointed him to be king. So it's just a couple of examples in the Old Testament of uh, how God works both ends. Now what I thought I'd like to do on our last night together here 
in our series. I'm going to ask my wife, Reen, uh, to come to the platform. And we just want to share a testimony of God working both ends in our life. And then I want to uh, finish up on uh, a few examples from the New Testament. So welcome my wonderful wife as she comes to the platform. Already, dear. Uh, over our series together, I've sort of shared a little bit of my testimony, like concerning my childhood a little bit, and a little bit on my boyhood years, and then uh, when I was a young man, and some of those years. An area that I, I haven't touched on really uh, is just the area concerning uh, uh, when I was married and so forth. So just want to refer to that, just explain a couple of things, and then me and I are going to share uh, just how God worked on both ends to bring us together, uh, part of the story. So it was uh, in 1952 that uh, I married my first wife by the name of Joyce. Some of you from the older generation will remember her. And uh, we were happily married for about 39 years altogether, wonderful years. And over those uh, first 10 years or so, uh, Sharon, my daughter, was born. And she's married to Frank DiMazio in Portland, Oregon. And then about eight years later, we lost one in between, as I told you, about uh, six months or so along. That's where they said I was under the curse of God. And then eight years later, uh, Mark was born. Uh, I went to the hospital that night and uh, they said, you've got a boy. I said, well, that's wonderful. But they said, he's got red hair. I said, are you sure he's mine? Because they said, it's the only baby born. I said, well, I'll take him. And uh, so when people say, well, where's Mark getting his red hair from? Stupid question. I give them a stupid answer. Off my chest. Um, <laughs> All three of them. <laughs> anyway, so we had uh, tremendously 30, 39 wonderful years, and then uh, uh, about 1990, uh, yeah, 1990 something. Yeah, I was uh, on, we were on the way to America to do a key knowledge seminar, and then I left my uh, beautiful wife Joyce at the LA airport and went on to Chicago, and then on to uh, Utica for the key knowledge seminar. Well, they pulled me off at uh, the plane at Chicago and said my wife had had a major heart attack. And so we went back and the whole family gathered and then uh, Joyce was on life support for uh, a couple of days and they said she'd either be a vegetable the rest of her life or else uh, if we uh, gave in on the, on the life support, she would, she'd go. So needless to say, she went and uh, so it was very devastating in my own life to our family and devastating to the whole church family at that time uh, how Joyce went to be with the Lord. So um, that was very, very hard. Uh, we'll sort of work through that a bit. So the reason that uh, Reen and I can talk about Joyce, my, my first wife, and mention her name is because actually the three of us had known each other for about 40 years, and uh, many of those years we'd sort of been in fellowships, uh, same fellowship, and so uh, we, were, we were very close friends, so all of us. And uh, so the testimony we're going to give tonight, we want to sort of make you promise that uh, you will not try to imitate it, any of you. <laughs> Uh, or, or try to uh, twist God's arm and make God work that way and say, you did it for Kevin and Reen, do it for me or else. God will just say or else, okay? So you've got to promise me that. Okay, everybody do this. Do you want to do that? 
Okay, so we want to sort of show how God worked in our lives and how God worked both ends. Uh, I felt it would be appropriate for our lesson night. So at the time uh, I was in the States and Joyce had gone to be with the Lord, uh, I was in Portland and uh, we'd uh, had the funeral service down in Eugene where Frank and Sharon were and uh, Brother Dick Iveson took that. And uh, a brother was driving as a brother from Canada who had actually graduated from Portland Bible College when I was, I was there as the principal a number of years ago. And on the way back, he was taking Frank and Sharon and myself back to the hotel. And uh, he said... Uh, Brother Kevin, he said, I had a vision about Joyce. Now, I'm very dead inside. I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to talk to anybody. I mean, I just feel so devastated uh, inside. And so he started telling me this vision. He said, I saw Joyce in this vision. Now, don't ask me why God does these things. I mean, God thinks he's God, okay? Uh, yeah. So he gives this brother a vision in Canada. And he said, I saw Joyce in this vision, young and beautiful and uh, just smiling and looking very happy. So, um, and he said, she was sort of standing behind a curtain, a veil, and, and, and just in the middle of it, as he was describing the vision, he just burst into tears. And, uh, you know, I, I, as I said, I was too dead inside. Anyway, when he regrouped, he went on with the vision and he said, I saw Joyce actually looking in an another direction. And he said, when I turned that direction, she was actually looking at another woman. So uh, I'm still in grief. So I said, well, what, what do you really think that means? He said, well, I think you will be, I, I believe you will get married again. And... Uh, uh, the, the woman you married, Joyce, would be very pleased with. Now, I'm so dead inside, I think I'll never get married again, full stop. And in my life, I, I was married when I was younger, and uh, my, my marriage lasted not 12 months, and uh, I had a son, and I brought up a son in that time, and for 39 years I'd been on my own and always involved in the ministry. I uh, was in uh, a church in Frankston for many, many years and uh, I think near the end of that time I sort of became assistant pastor and uh, from there I felt a call after visiting Rockhampton in northern Queensland, I felt a call to go to Rockhampton and uh, God brought that ab about in a miraculous way and that was in 1982 and then... Uh, when I went to Rockhampton, I didn't know exactly why God had taken me there, but within uh, 12 months, God started to bring all these wild, rebellious kids out of the drug scene to church, to, to my meetings. And so God started to bring them one after the other, and I saw God, the Lord do some miraculous things, heal them, deliver them. They came in, got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and uh, God did some wonderful things up there. And, uh, and so uh, I saw uh, things happen and in that time when I had that church, we had two girls come down from Mackay, which is about 300 and something kilometres further on. And uh, one of these girls was called Nicole <laughs> and her friend was called Kay. Nicole came into our church and was in our church and uh, Mark came up on a holiday came through Rockhampton, and that's how they met. And so God is wonderful, isn't he, how he works. And then this uh, story that we have tonight, how the Lord brought us together, and I needed a lot of confirmation to get married again and uh, before I'd even think of remarriage. Uh, and the Lord in his great love just knew how to 
to plan it. God knows how to arrange things. And so uh, I, I, Kevin invited me to come back to, to Waverley Christian Fellowship after I'd been up there seven years. And so I came back to Waverley and I was on staff here at the church and run the healing meeting, did several things, helped Joyce with the ladies' work. And so when, uh, in October 1990, it was when Joyce had the heart attack. And uh, I was in one of our cell groups and we were all praying for her. And actually I was down on my knees and we were all, we were all praying for her that God would touch her. And as I was kneeling there, God gave me a very vivid vision. And, uh, and all of a sudden in this vision, I saw Joyce, because I'd known her when she was young, she looked very young again. And she was, just came skipping towards me and she was so happy. And she came skipping towards me and, uh, and she stopped and she looked at me. And then she said, I don't want to come back. Did she ever and tell you why? <laughs> And, uh, and in the vision, she turned and she started to skip away again. She turned again and she said, I don't want to come back. And I was so dumbfounded by this vision. Here's everyone praying for her to get healed and here the Lord showing me that she's not coming back. And so that's how, how the Lord uh, showed me. And I sort of testified to the church at the time what the Lord had showed me. And... Uh, so uh, I'll just leave it to Kevin right now. Well, at the, at the time I was in the US, of course, after the uh, funeral service, and I had to go to a conference before I came back to uh, Waverly Christian Fellowship. And uh, uh, Emmanuel Canastracy, some of you will remember him, uh, it's in a conference, about three or 4,000 people. So uh, as I said before, I'm pretty dead inside, wondering why and so forth. So he called me out of the congregation and pulled me to the platform and said, I want you to pray for this man. He's just uh, lost his wife. And uh, in the course of praying for me, he gave this prophecy about how uh, just very briefly that the glory would, glory would return to my house. Well, you know, I mean, for me, uh, just for you men, the, the man is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. So when my wife died, I lost my glory. I felt Ichabod, my glory is departed. So men, look after your glory if you're married. Okay. So, uh, I, yeah, I, you know, so he just prophesied that and I just didn't take much notice of it. Okay. In uh, about January 1992, when we had uh, Shirley and Emmanuel Kenneth uh, we were having a, a church camp at the church. It wasn't away anywhere. But about this time... Uh, before the start of these meetings, I was sitting in my lounge room and I was looking at a Benny Hinn video and I, I was turning up scriptures that he was saying in my Bible and all of a sudden I turned to Isaiah 52 verse 1 to 3 and I began to read it and as I read it, I read it, it said, Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion, put on your beautiful garments Shake yourself from the dust, arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. And this scripture so came alive to me and it was so quickened to me and I thought, Lord, why are you quickening this scripture? And I thought the Lord was uh, giving me a sermon or something, uh, but it was very, very uh, alive to me and God so quickened it to me. 
And uh, so on the Friday night, in our, I think it was our first service with Emmanuel, he preached on being willing to change. And I did not realise how much this would affect my life. And, uh, and, and what a great change was coming into my life. And uh, his prophetic word at, at that time, I think there was a great encouragement to the whole church at that time. And then on the Saturday morning, Shirley, his wife had a bad back. So I got chosen to take her to the chiropractor. And so I'm driving along and I'm taking her to the chiropractor and she started to tell me a story. So she started to tell me the story about her mother and how her mother <clears throat> was left a widow and that uh, uh, she was lonely and that. And then all of a sudden she met this man and uh, she, she said, and they started to go out together. And then she said, uh, now, you know, they, they've got married and they travel everywhere together and they're so happy. And, uh, and I'm thinking, right, how old was your mother when she, <laughs> when she met this man? <laughs> and, and she said, oh, she, when she met him, she was, she was 68. I thought, what? Fancy getting married at that age, you know? And I was a bit horrified. I thought, oh, forget it, you know. <laughs> anyway, so as I was listening to her, I said this, how old was your mother? And, uh, and I, I thought, oh, she has to be crazy to get married again at that age. Because um, I had real hang-ups on remarriage. And... Uh, you know, when you look at second marriages sometimes, you see some of them are not so happy. And so uh, I was like that. However, Shirley kept talking to me about the story of her mother. And then on the second visit to the chiropractor, she just said to me uh, very casually, you know, Kevin should get married again. <laughs> and and, and uh, she just went on talking, you know, <laughs> and... Uh, and so Kevin was the senior minister. I was just someone on staff. So it, 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 didn't, it didn't sort of regi register too much with me when she said it. And uh, so then on the Sunday morning, we, we used to have our big prayer meeting in the gym. And uh, one of the elders' wives came up to me and she said to me, Rini, God showed me something about you. God is going to do something wonderful in your life. And she said, it's your decision. She said, you have to make the decision. But she said, remember, mark this day that I have told you this. <laughs> <laughs> and so after that, uh, during that week, I, I was in bed and I was in a deep sleep. And I woke up out of this deep sleep. And uh, I felt like I was being bombarded with thoughts. And as I was bombarded with these thoughts, they were all about Kevin Connor. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> and this was, I mean, this was supernatural. <laughs> I remember, and I, I sat up in the bed, and I mean, it was a bombardment Lovely. of thoughts. And... <laughs> And I sat up in the bed and I said, Lord, you know these are not my thoughts. These are not my thoughts. They were. They were God's thoughts. 
Uh, and so it was so bad that I started to... <laughs> She means it was so good. <laughs> I thought it was attack of the enemy and I started to rebuke them. <laughs> she starts rebuking the voice of the Lord. <laughs> and I was rebu- rebuking them. And I couldn't, I couldn't get rid of them. And so I got out of bed and I was walking up and down the lounge rebuking them. Anyway, eventually it eased off and, and went. Well, I'd stop praying then and go on to sleep. (laughs) Anyway, we have to move on. Uh, So, uh, Candice Tracy, we're in... uh, uh, Not that we've still got a little bit more. So, uh, Candice Tracy came to me and said, uh, Kevin, I really... Have you ever thought about getting married again? I said, oh, I don't know. I don't think so. I said... You know, uh, he said, look, if you went back to the, the States, to America, it'd take a couple of years to find somebody and you'd have to get to know them and you're getting older all the time. And I said, look, uh, you know, I don't know. It'd have to be God. So he said, there must be somebody in Waverley that you'd be interested in. I said, oh, I don't think so. I said, I'd always be comparing with Joyce and that would be sinful. He said, well, there must be somebody. I said, well, probably there may be just one woman, but boy, it'd have to be God. So he said... <laughs> So he said to me, well, uh, he said, point her out to me as uh, we're walking up the aisle. So we're walking up the aisle in the old auditorium down there. So I said, see that woman over to the right? It's that woman there. So anyway, he's sitting on the platform. He gets a word of knowledge about somebody else, which was right on ball, who'd been a, a little bit ill. Anyway, after the meet, we go out for supper. We've got to talk quickly. And we go out for supper. And at the supper, uh, he said, that woman's not for you. I said, uh, which woman were you looking at? And he told me the woman, I said, of course she's not for me, she's married. I said, it was the one next to her. So, so amazing, you know. So anyway, I'm praying and seeking the will of God because God, I said, if you're in this, you've got to do a Rebecca stunt with me. You've got to work both hands. Anyway, so on the Monday morning, I was in my office, in the old office, and I think uh, Carolyn was next somewhere there, and then Reen's office was next to mine. So, uh, you know, 39 years, you're out of of practice how to propose to people, aren't you? (laughs) So I I called Reen in my office, said, oh, could you drop into my office, please? Remember, I am the senior minister, and she's just a little girl around here. (laughs) So uh, I sat her down, I said, "Uh, Reen... Uh, I've been praying how to propose, you know, you get out of touch with it. So, question, I had three questions I felt. So, number one, I said to Reen, do you mind if I ask you a personal question? And she says, no. So, I'm praying she'll say the right answers that I think God gave me. So, uh, then I said, uh, why didn't you get married again? Her answer, oh, probably never met the right one. That's what I wanted to hear. Number two, (laughs) second question, uh, Reen, if you ever did meet the right one, uh, would you... uh, you know, marry again? She said, oh, it'd have to be God. (laughs) Emphasis on God. But I said, if if the right one did come along, would you? She said, well, I'd I'd pray about it, yes. And then the third question, as humbly as I could, I said to her, what about me? (laughs) And she said, what? I shouldn't be telling you these things. Okay. <laughs> so 
So she said, do you really mean that? I said, look, I said, Rean, it would be sinful if I, if I didn't mean it. So uh, I said, all I could promise you is I'd love you as much as Joyce and more if possible. I'd love you as Christ loves the church. Next. We're going to move on. So the, the day that uh, Shirley and Emmanuel Canastrasi were leaving, they uh, invited me out for coffee, took me out for coffee, then proceeded to uh, tell me that Kevin, Kevin needed someone and that they thought it was me. And so they were quite blunt about it and that, because they, they didn't have the time. And, uh, and, and I said, well, you know, he's, he, he just already asked me to marry him. And they were so surprised. Uh, and so, you know, I really believe that when Shirley was talking to me in the car, she, there was some seeds dropped, but I, I wasn't fully awake to them at that time. Anyway, they flew on to the Philippines for meetings. A few minutes later, uh, sorry, a few days later, I woke up out of a dead sleep again. And this time as I woke up, I could feel the presence of God in the room. And this uh, presence of God in my room, it really felt very awesome. And it was nearly like I could see a form standing in my room. And, uh, And as he stood there... He began to speak to me and he said, are you willing to surrender everything to me? And I I thought, Lord, I've done this many times before and uh, at different times in my life. But there seemed to be something very urgent about this, what he was saying to me. And he continued to speak to me and he said, are you willing to give me uh, your life your life fully over to me for the outworkings of my Holy Spirit and my dealings in your life. And uh, I was uh, thought, he sounds urgent. He wants an answer from me right now. And I thought, well, Lord, uh, I've done this many times before, but because of the presence of God in the room was so awesome, that I got out of bed and I knelt down beside the bed and uh, I was having a bit of a struggle. I said, Lord, I'm only surrendering to you, no one else. And so I got down and I I just put my hands up and I said, all right, Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm willing. And, uh, and, you know, and I just felt safe in saying that to, because I felt it was the Holy Spirit that was speaking to me. And so I left it at that. And uh, I just said, Lord, I'm only yielding to you, but I'm willing to do whatever you want to do in my life. So I'm praying like mad on the other end that God would work on her stubborn heart. Uh, <laughs> anyway, after, after this visitation from the Lord that Rean uh, had, uh, I was praying, we were both praying. And uh, so I, I knock on the office door and I'd say, Good morning, Rean. How are you? Have you had a word from God? <laughs> no. Close the door, going to my office. Oh, God, move upon her. <laughs> Do something. If this is God, you know. Next day. Good morning, Rean. How are you this morning? Have you had a word from God yet? No. <laughs> Third morning. But okay, I've got to get a rose. <laughs> so I got one red rose and stuck it in a... Was it a cup or what? I don't know anyway. <laughs> Because she loves roses, I've found out since, anyway. So I said, Reen, have you got a word from God yet? No. Do, do you feel I'm rushing you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
So anyway, a few days later, I said, uh, I said, well, let's go out for a cup of coffee. And of course, you know, being the senior minister, you have to be respectable. You have to sort of sneak out, not let anybody know. So I said, tell me where there's a little coffee shop where nobody will see us. Nobody will know. Because if God's not in this and you don't come to the party, we don't have a party. So anyway, so we went up to a little coffee shop there. And being a teacher... I'd been praying, Lord, how do you propose? What, what sort of uh, qualities do I want in this woman? And being the teacher, I had 14 points <laughs> about the woman that I would marry. If, you, if you're single and you want them, I've got them on my sheet here. So I haven't got time to go through them because that time is moving. You know, she must be God a woman. She must be a woman of prayer. Must be a woman 100% sold out to the Lord. Good character qualities and so forth and so forth. And ripple effect. So I had them all. And then I said to Reen, as I read them out, she's looking at me like a cow looking in a new gate. I said, Reen, I said, you pass all these qualifications. And she told me, she thought, what a relief. So then, uh, while we were in the coffee shop, we, uh, Kevin went to pay the bill, and I walked up behind him, and all of a sudden, I saw this white light. It was like a, a, a light, a rope full of light, and it came out from him, came back around me, and went back to him. Hallelujah. And I didn't tell him this, but, uh, but it was quite vivid. Anyway... <clears throat> Some things, amazing things happened, and uh, but I, I just couldn't bring myself to say yes. I, I, I'm a person that always has to have a word from God. I don't do it if I don't have a word from God. But if I have a word from God, I know that God's in it. And so I needed a word from God. So I was praying, and I, I said, Lord, show someone about this that is not in Waverley Christian Fellowship. Show someone about this outside somewhere. And so uh, I asked the Lord to show me, uh, you know, from someone else. No, no one knew or had any idea. So I was just asking the Lord for an answer. And uh, Kevin came around for tea one night. Had to check out our cooking. And uh, <laughs> so he said to, he said to me, uh, have you told uh, Greg, my son, and I said, no, no one knew, because I was sworn to secrecy. <laughs> and uh, had I told my niece, who was like a daughter to me, and uh, I said, no. And they were right up living in Rockhampton, so they're about 2,000 kilometres away. So then Greg, uh, he suggested, ring them. So I rang my niece first, and I said to her on the phone, what would you say if I said I was considering getting married again? And there was a dead silence on the phone. And then she very uh, slowly said, well, is it Kevin? <laughs> and I nearly fell off the seat. <laughs> uh, and I said, what made you say that? And she said, well, about two months ago, I had this deep impression. She said, it wasn't a vision or anything. It was a deep impression on me about you and Kevin. And she said, I told Ross, uh, her husband, about it. So I was blown away by this. Then I, I rang my son and I said the very same thing. I'm considering getting married again. What, what do you think? And uh, there was another pause on the phone and he said, well, well, mum, you might know by my voice I'm not surprised. 
because in November I had this dream about you and Kevin. <laughs> he said, then three weeks ago I had the same dream again. By this time, I, I was absolutely blown away. And I'm saying, and I felt, what's the answer? What's the answer? What's and I, and I, <laughs> I felt whatever I was hanging on to was gone. I had nothing else to hang on to. <laughs> and Kevin saying in my ear, what's the answer? What's the answer? <laughs> and I went, oh, yes. <laughs> Just like that. So on February the 16th, we announced our engagement in the church. Um, that was 10 days later. <laughs> we no had dating. no real dating. Uh, we uh, got married on the 10th of April. And we had over a 1,000 people at our wedding in the church. Uh, and it was just a, a wonderful time, really. And God just had given me that confirmation that I needed. Uh, and I, I just thank the Lord for that. He will always give you confirmation if you ask for it. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. Well, I was uh, a real Christian gentleman, so uh, for you young men who haven't done this yet, I ask her mother, could I marry her? The mother's only 80 years, 86 years old. And she said, yes, you can have her. I wondered who was going to look after when I go. <laughs> and then I asked uh, Richard Holland to take our wedding. Well, his little... Tummy just went up and down like a yo-yo. He was so excited about it. And then Mark made the announcement on the Sunday, long, drawn-out announcement. And, uh, but it was just a great day when we announced the engagement. And there was, it was just like God, because it was about 18 months, I think, since Joyce had gone to be with the Lord. And there was just still a, a grief over the church. And it just seemed that that day just released my own heart and released the, the, uh, just the congregation of the time just from that grief. Uh, there, because uh, the church was growing. Okay. We're, okay. We're For 39 going. years, I'd been on my own. And, uh, you know, you go through some very lonely times when you're on your own. And uh, when, when I married Kevin, I knew that it was the will of God. Amen. And, uh, however, I felt that I got married in faith. Faith in a word from God. And I knew I, I did not have that love that I should have for him. And so I was praying, Lord, if you want me to marry this man, you have to give me that kind of a love for him. And so we, we got married, and I got married in faith. And uh, don't ever do this without a word from God. But I actually did get married in faith. And, uh, and I was praying, and I think it was two weeks later, after we were married, I, I, to this day I do not understand it, but this realisation came over me, I love him. Glory. And, uh, and from that day to this, I have never doubted that I love him. And I just thank God. And uh, I felt that I married Kevin in the will of God, uh, and I married Kevin in faith, in a word from God. And it was, he showed me, from right from the moment we got married, he showed me, he did everything to show me that he loved me. He did every little thing to show me oh, that yeah. he loved me. <laughs> and, uh, and then after we were married, uh, we took our first vis uh, visit to the States. And on that visit, we went to Bible Temple and we met that man from Canada that had the first vision. 
And uh, Kevin took me over to introduce me to him. And as we were walking towards him, he was staring very hard at me all the way. And then uh, he introduced me to him and then he started to tell me about the vision. But he said, there's a part of the vision that I haven't explained to Kevin yet. And I said, oh, what is that? And he said, yours was the form of the other woman that I saw in the vision. And uh, I just thank God for all the things that he did when he actually brought us together. And uh, sometimes it's just God. And uh, you can't do anything about it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so after our honeymoon, we came back. I I, I remembered an old Bible custom. So I carried... I lifted Reen up and carried her across the threshold and dumped her on the sofa. <laughs> and we've been happy ever since. So, uh, yeah, so it's just a testimony of God working both ends. And as I've got on my notes here, uh, God working both ends, bringing these ends together and tying the knot for his praise and glory. You know, for God to give a vision to a, a, a young minister up there in, in Bible college that graduated in Canada, and then God speaking to my heart, then having to work on Reen, and then God confirming to her own son, who knew nothing about it, by a, by a dream, and then uh, Reen's niece, and then by an elder and a wife, and several others in Waverley Christian Fellowship too, just because of the ripple effect if I'd made the wrong decision, and for Reen too, and then God confirming it in my family, Mark and, and uh, Nicole and Sharon's accepted Reen. And uh, I often say, can any good thing come out of Rockhampton? Yes, because Mark got a wife out of it, I got a wife out of it. Yes. <laughs> And so uh, we want to thank the Lord for almost in April 10, uh, 12 wonderful years. Our marriage is so happy. We're so peaceful. We haven't had any fights, no flying saucers. We just look at each other and think, wow, our marriage is so peaceful. We, we're so easy to get on with. My first wife I call dear. This one I call expensive because <laughs> when she goes to the reject shops and the dollar shops and everything. say, what are you doing, darling? Just looking. I said, that's what Eve did and look what happened. I thank my wife for it. Yeah. So the, the only reason we told that, we felt that would be helpful, is just another part of my journey and uh, just, God's, uh, just God's grace in my life. Let's go back to our sheet as we sort of wrap up our last uh, few moments here. So going to the New Testament now, so I'll give you an example from the Old Testament and then our testimony here. And then when you go to the New Testament, so the whole lesson, one of the lessons I've learned over my life is if God is in the thing, uh, depend on him to work both ends. No pulling strings, no juggling things, everything like that. Just pray, depend upon the Lord. And so I've just put some examples there. Uh, You think in Matthew chapter 17, verse 24 to 27, uh, when uh, they came to Jesus and and the disciples and said, "Uh, does your master pay the tax? They're referring to the temple tax, of course. And uh, uh, Jesus uh, said, well, we render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Anyway, so we don't offend them. He said to Peter, I want you to go down and uh, catch a fish. And the first fish that comes up, uh, it'll have the money in its mouth. Take that and pay my tax and your tax for the temple tax. So you think what had to happen in that case. I mean, Jesus has given the word of faith to Peter. So Peter has to go in faith, not stepping out in faith, but in faith in a word, as we've seen in previous sessions. So on the way down, 
What do you think's going through Peter's mind? Wow, I mean, Jesus said to take up the first fish. I've got to catch fish. I mean, how do I know? I mean, I might have to catch a dozen fish. I might not catch any fish like other occasions. And then how do I know that that first fish is going to have the money in its mouth? Uh, you know, so the Lord had to work both ends. So Peter had to trust Jesus and he had to trust God to somehow move on that fish that had the money. And when he hooked that fish up there, he said, cough up. <laughs> and there was the temple tax. Now, how many see God working both ends? So if you've not got your GST, God said tides. God didn't say tips. <laughs> Look for a fish that's got something in his mouth. Uh, number two, John chapter 21, verse 1 to 11. Jesus has re- uh, been resurrected, raised from the dead, and he meets seven disciples on the, sh- on the, uh, on the, on the, uh, the uh, sea there. They have toiled all night and caught nothing. And he said, cast your net on the right side. And they recognized the voice, it's Jesus. And he said, they said, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. And Jesus said, cast your net on the right side. And all of a sudden, 153 fish. Now, how many know? They knew all the tricks and all the ways and all the bait to catch the right fish. And yet, all self-effort, they toiled all night and caught nothing. And then what happened? God moved upon those fish. And he drew those 153 fish into the net. And then Jesus has the little bit of facetious touch and says, bring of the fish that you have caught. Well, who really called them? How many know there was divine sovereignty and human responsibility? You, you do the possible, I'll do the impossible. So 153 fish, the Lord just moved on those fish. God working both ends. So with Jesus and the disciples. Acts chapter 8, another classic example we refer to on other occasions. Holy Spirit says to Philip the evangelist, go down to the desert and join yourself to this chariot. So... Uh, lots of chariots going through the desert there. And uh, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit said, join yourself to this chariot. And so uh, Philip ran. And as he ran, he heard the Ethiopian. He'd been up to Jerusalem and found religion, bells and smells, incense and nonsense. Hadn't found Christ. And he's reading the scripture out loud. So Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I except some man help me? So he said, come on up. And so here God's working both ends. And as far as we can gather, the uh, Ethiopian is the first uh, uh, black brother who came to Christ, first uh, brother to come into the kingdom of God. And so God works on Philip and God works on the Ethiopian and he works both ends and brings those ends together. Uh, number four, we have the same uh, picture in Acts chapter 9. Uh, here Saul is on the road to Damascus and uh, the Lord, uh, well, if he was on a donkey, he was a donkey, but Lord knocks him to the ground. He has a vision of the glorified Christ. And uh, he says, who are you, Lord? And the Lord, uh, uh, he said, I am Jesus, which was such a shock to Saul. And then he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He called Jesus Lord. And in that moment, he was converted because no man can say Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. And so Saul's converted on the Damascus road. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord says, I want you to go into the city and it'll be told you what you must do. And so now he has a vision of one end and Saul and the Lord's giving another vision to uh, Ananias on the other end. And in the vision, the Lord said, I want you to go to such and such a street. There's a man by the name of Saul. He's praying and he's seen in this vision a man coming and laying hands on him. And Ananias sort of argued a little bit with the Lord while he's persecuted the church. And, and the Lord said, go your way. He's a chosen vessel to me. And so here God, again, by vision, 
Working a vision on Saul, working a vision on Ananias, and working both ends in the sovereignty of God, he brings those ends together. How many, how, how many get the, it's a very simple lesson, but just depending upon God who works both ends. I remember over some of my years to, uh, uh, also, in my own experience, I, uh, I was, when I was in Bendigo, pastoring a small church there, we were in a prayer meeting, and I just felt the Lord say, uh, as I was praying, I felt the Lord just by the Spirit saying to me, Kevin, I want you to go to New Zealand for ministry. And uh, I said to my wife at the time, I said, well, I had this come to me uh, in prayer and I'm not sure whether it's God. And as I said to someone last week, we have to check all our sources of thought. Where uh, thoughts, we get thoughts from ourselves, thoughts from the devil, thoughts from God. They're the three sources of thought. We have to check out the source. So I said, well, look, we pray together, Lord, if this is you, I want you to confirm this uh, and work on the other end. Well, that that, uh, next week, I got a letter from America from a friend and said, Kevin, while I was praying for you uh, this uh, week, I felt God impressed me that you really should go to New Zealand for ministry. And then the same week, I got a letter from brother, a brother in uh, New Zealand. He was my best man, actually, at my wedding. He, well, actually, he was second best. I was the best. That's why my wife married me. <laughs> and uh, he said, Kevin, he said, I feel the Holy Spirit has t- uh, told me to invite you to New Zealand for meetings. So God working both ends. One other quick one here, and then our time's just about up. Uh, one time I felt the Lord, uh, there'd be a prophetic word over to me about going to India. And so uh, someone wrote me a letter and said, God's given me some money. And I said, well, I don't want it, you know, it'd have to be God. And then it just worked out. God told me to go to India, uh, had invitations there. And then God spoke to someone in England who came in into inheritance and sent it to somebody in New Zealand. And they said, we don't know why, Kevin, but God's asked us to send you this. Then a brother came uh, to Bendigo from Melbourne and said, Kevin, I don't know why. God's told me to give you this. It was my complete return fare to, uh, to India and back and enough to look after my kids and my wife while I was away. So just depending upon God who works both ends. All right, Acts chapter 10, 11, same thing. Peter's on the rooftop waiting for lunch, falls into a trance and uh, has this vision of all these unclean animals on sheets. Nothing to do with eating pork or anything like that. It has to do with the Gentiles. And then the Lord's working on the household of Cornelius. And so Cornelius comes and he's had a vision. Peter's had a vision. And the Lord just working both ends, building his church and the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles. That's it. It's just that simple. Our conclusion, practical application, when God is in a thing, we need not pull strings, try to help God out. That's what we have to watch with the canister. Stop helping God out. <laughs> or manipulating people. Otherwise, Genesis 16, if you help God out, you'll always end up with an Ishmael. And Ishmael is man helping God out and trying to fulfill God's promises his way through self-effort and works of the flesh. Isaac is God fulfilling his own promise in his way by the Spirit. So the danger is when we get a promise from God is that we can always drop into the level of works and self-effort and produce an Ishmael and uh, pay the price of oil. All right, we need to come to a position of prayer, trust, rest, faith and confidence in the God who works both ends and brings the ends together and ties the knot. And everybody said, Amen. All right, let's all stand. Have a word of prayer, and then uh, Delgit has just a, an announcement about next year uh, before we, we leave here.
So I do trust that some of the lessons I've learned along the journey of my life have been helpful to, to us all. And uh, as I said, you know, I didn't do this for personal reasons, but uh, uh, we all have our story. And if we all had time to tell our story and the lessons we learned, I believe that they all, would all be wonderful. Maybe we've got a lot of time in eternity to hear it all. So let's, uh, let's lift our hands to the Lord. Father, we just come to you in this uh, closing moment of this series that uh, we've had together. And we do thank you, Lord, for your grace that's been upon us and upon our lives as we share together of your, just your grace in my life and Reen and just so many stories, Lord. We do thank you, Lord. And uh, we just humbly give you thanks, Father. We have nothing to boast of in ourselves, but we do boast in the Lord Jesus Christ and his grace. And Father, we just pray that uh, of all these lessons that we've shared and learned together, that it'll not only help us individually, Lord, but it'll help us to help others. God, we just pray that you'll see the word in all of our hearts. May we meditate upon these things and uh, depend upon the Holy Spirit to bring them to remembrance, Lord, uh, as we all continue on the journey of our life. So, Father, we receive the blessing, but we give you the glory in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.